Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated by the obstacles you face? Well, you're not alone. The Resiliency Ninja is here to help. Allison Graham is a speaker, author, and business coach. But most importantly, she's on a mission to give you tools to succeed in times when it feels like life sucks. Now, here's your host, Allison Graham. Hey there, welcome to the Resiliency Ninja podcast. I am Allison Graham, and we are going to go deep today with Lou Diamond. Now, before I introduce Lou, I just want to tell you that my hope is to inspire you and give you tools so that you can master everyday resilience so that your obstacles don't define your outcome. Now, if you love what you hear, please subscribe, and I would love it if you gave us a five-star review, especially as we get this podcast rolling so people know to tune in. And don't forget to hop over to r-ninja.com backslash podcast to find all the connection links for today's guest, Lou Diamond. Now, Lou Diamond is, you may have actually seen him on stages, and I hope you've read his book. If you haven't read this yet, you need to. It's called, what? what is that dang book called uh, there, Lou? It's The Master. Master of the Art of Connecting. Yes, it is a bestseller. It's awesome. He also has the Thrive Loud podcast. You can hop over there and subscribe, of course. He's a speaker, an executive coach, international best-selling author. Like he's got one of those bios that makes you say, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. How are you doing, Lou? Allison, I am doing spectacular. And I'll, I'll let you know that Resiliency Ninja, I, it just gets me just like all jacked up and excited. I feel like I'm re ready to rock and roll and bounce back. Do you have like a feeling like you want to go cha like a little karate chop? Oh, yeah, I, I, there's there's a little bit of that, or, or a little bit of that silent throwing a Chinese star kind of a thing. That's what my my vision of all the the ninjas when I was growing up watching all those kung fu or karate movies that they used to have. Yeah, yeah, and just for the record, I can't do any of those moves properly. But I have vision of the resiliency ninja. It's like all of us are going through our lives and, you know, we look calm, cool and collected, like just like you do. You've got this great success behind you. But behind the scenes, it's like we're all having these private little, you know, getting rid of these obstacles that are coming in our way. And yet we still have to keep a smile on our face and serve our clients. And the reason I wanted to interview you here, one, one thing in particular that really jumped out with me in your book is how much you value authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things with resiliency is I know for me, when <clears throat> I've got a frog in my throat here, Lou. <laughs> well, who invited that frog onto the show? You know, <laughs> that darn frog. That, that oh got through security. Let, let the frog out of the room and send it on its way. Hey, Lou, before we jump into like all that serious stuff, like, should I admit to the audience that this is the first podcast I'm recording for Resiliency Ninja? So what's really interesting to the listeners here is for those that have been on podcasts or who listen often, you know, there's some technical issues that you have to kind of work out. And there's actually even some physical logistics that we needed to work out beforehand. And this was the first time I'm trying to figure out exactly how you want your microphone on your desk. And uh, and Allison and I had a fun, um, you know, we're, we're basically using a video conference to communicate and using almost like mirror-like images. Is that your left? Is that your right? Turn it this way, turn it clockwise, put it at this distance. It's actually kind of fun. She's a probe whether she admits it or not. So you're all in for a good treat and a great show. Oh, you're awesome. Thank you for that. And you are the master connector. That's what you do, right? So you pump other people up and help them succeed. So let's let's jump in in your book. It talks a lot about authenticity. And so how do you define that? Let's start there. To give a little bit of a background, I think 
authenticity, as I define it, just in its simplest terms, is being open, honest, and coming from the heart in every way you communicate. And it doesn't just have to be with what you say. I think it has a lot to do with your physicality as well, with the actual actions you've had. I think we've all been in a room when we know someone says something that you think means it, but their physical actions don't match up to it. You've seen people when they say, oh, I'm really open to change. And yet you look at them and they've got their arms crossed, their legs crossed, they're kind of hunching over on the side and they're kind of hesitant to open themselves up to be open. That's not generally the person you want to keep talking to or offer insight to, right? Well, I think it's a lot of, a lot of people have a, a fear of being authentic. Actually, it's a fear of being immediately authentic in the moment. And it is really a very challenging thing to do because many of us have been burned before in the past or may have been let something out that we didn't want to know. And therefore, there's that balance of how you need to open up to another, that whether, whether it's a business relationship, whether it's a, your personal colleagues working together on a team, even if it's friends or or loved ones or, or significant others. Opening up is really hard, but, but essential. And coming open, honest, and from the heart in what you do and what you say and how you act is what draws other people in to do the same. I think it's, it's really funny for those that were just listening to the opening part. What I just shared about Allison and I getting the microphone set up was actually authentically what was going on. And her authenticity to start this interview by saying, this is my first one and we're kicking it off and getting the show off the ground really opens the listeners up to understand, hey, this is, this is new, this is cool, and I'm to you on that. When you have that level of openness, that genuineness about you, whether it's your listeners, whether it's your clients, whether it's anyone you do business with, we love that. We love when people are willing to let us in and they, because we want to get in and connect with people. And authenticity is one of the key muscles that I focus on in doing that. And I always say this, that being authentic is one of the most difficult muscles of my connecting core and all the things you need to do to be able to connect to actually coach. However, it is the linchpin of all things because we all know that when someone is disingenuine, someone is not true, not open, not honest, and coming from some other place other than deep down what they feel, when that happens to us, not only do we not connect with that individual, we tend to repel away from them. We don't like to be around those people. So it's kind of ironic that you're saying authenticity, which is in essence, as you're saying, just being like authentically who you are, can't fake that, is the most difficult muscle. It is. It's the most difficult muscle to coach. Because okay. it, it, so put it in that sense, it is the most difficult muscle to coach because it is the thing that you need to come in, open and do. It's very difficult to tell someone, be authentic. <laughs> you, know, to come right <laughs> you have to be authentic. That person has to be the one to know that they can do it themselves. They have to know that there is value in opening up to people. I always like to tell this story. It's a little over a year ago, if you remembered, when United Airlines had that unbelievable situation where they dragged that passenger off of the plane. I think you're God, familiar. that was awful. I mean, the, the guy, was, he was bleeding from the mouth. He was knocked unconscious. And they're dragging him down the aisle. And everybody's got their smartphone. And they're recording every minute. of. Without a doubt, the real moment was one day later when the CEO of United, who was the former chairman and CEO, they stripped him of his chairmanship shortly after this, got in front of an audience and in front of all the C-SPANs and all the CNBCs very unprepared and could not have looked any more disingenuous than he did. He was basically kind of almost talking through his teeth. He was defending the people on the plane. They were you know, talking about all these actions. He was petrified and nervous about 
the stock price, the shareholders. He was more scared about losing his job than he was about really what was doing the right thing, which was, by the way, he never apologized to the passenger. He didn't apologize to anybody. They basically, and they had, they had the wrong information, by the way. They said that the guy was a discredited doctor, which was not true. That was the passenger whose seat they thought the person was in that they had in this overbooking situation. And it was the ugliest PR thing, which by the way, cost them millions of dollars. They ended up settling quietly, whatever that amount was. And I always laugh at that actions when you saw him physically, what he looked like and how disingenuous it looked. And then when they made the settlement announcement of whatever they settled with this passenger that, they, that was suing the airline for all the bad things that they did, the CEO of another airline, Southwest Airlines, came out and did something unbelievable. And what they did, which they've always been very true about their customers, he, that guy came out and if you saw him, he was open, he was honest. He actually was talking with both his hands like wide open as if you could see him. And he says, we are no longer going to overbook any flights on our airlines. We're getting rid of our overbooking policy which by the way, costs the airline millions because they make a lot of money when they overbook these flights because there's some kind of game that they play where they know things will cancel and whatnot. But his openness and whatnot, you actually felt like a good connection to that individual, let alone to the airline. That example of showing when someone disingenuous and someone not, it shows you the importance of how you, how you relate to just a business in that sense and how it feels to you as an individual. So it's interesting because I actually wonder if the authentic moment in that CEO's life from United was scared about his job. Like I, maybe he's that selfish a human. Maybe that was his authentic self and his, you know, how he was showing up was not how we would want him to show up. I think in the spirit of when we think about the key things about being resilient and what the show is about and those that have the ability to bounce back and be open to do things. I've seen, I've seen your videos and your pieces about moments that have changed your life and that you're going to go and try new things as opposed to never want to be able to sit back and you know, not do those things, right? right? That's an openness. And that openness and open, honest from the heart, the first thing you need to do is be open and being willing to do this. Yes, it was a selfishness that the CEO had. And yes, we feel at times that if we kind of keep things to ourselves and hold into our own court because we're afraid people might get in or take things of us, that actually of not being really who we are and not letting others get a chance to connect to us, we feel in some cases we're doing that to protect ourselves. When in reality, we've learned that the moments we've been the most honest, the moments we've been most authentic, and when we've come from who we are, we, other people appreciate it and other people can help you. And other people can grow with you and, other, and you can learn from that as well. I think we'd want to work in a situation where, yeah, there are, we're always going to have our certain selfishness and things that we want, but there's a huge benefit when you are authentic that really shows the power of we versus the power of me. Right. Absolutely. And from an obstacle perspective, with the connections and the things that you are showing people and working with your coaching clients on and, and helping people, it like learning how to connect was not actually an obstacle for you. Like I admire people like you who start off, like from what I understand of your story, I mean, you've been doing sales and relationship development for over 25 years and, and have had success in that. But it wasn't something that didn't, sorry for the double negatives, mom, <laughs> didn't come natural. Like it actually was quite easy for you, wasn't it? So, okay. So certain things came easy for me. Yes. The ability to connect with other individuals has always been something I've done my entire life. And more interestingly, what I found was that I thought everybody had this ability and I never did understand how people couldn't connect, you know, just to be the ability to 
do all of the things that I work with companies and, and clients and businesses and even brands from that matter on how they can open up and connect with their target. And I just thought it came naturally to everybody. Yet what I did realize is that even though you've met people in life that can be very loquacious or very social or very outgoing, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're really good connectors. And when I talk about a lot, Allison, are these connecting core muscles that you have to work on. And even myself as a master connector and helping others do that, I still have to work on those things. I still have to work on being very authentic, very empathetic, having a fearless mindset and remembering the purpose that I have and living that purpose every single day. Does it ever get exhausting with the purpose every day? I <laughs> So, so my, that's a great question, by the way. So, so my purpose is that I, I love to say that I was put on this planet to work with the most amazing people and companies and make them more powerful, more amazing through connection and through connecting. Does it ever get exhausting? Sometimes it can be like we've all had moments when we work with clients that can't seem to get over that hurdle or they have a fear that they can't overcome and they're, or they're missing the ability to truly connect. Um, so I always like to say like sometimes people get in their own way and there's a sense of letting go that everyone needs to do. And sometimes we hold on to those things and we don't realize that by doing that, we're kind of limiting ourselves in, into a box and we need to stretch and try new things and, and fail a little bit and have instances that we can learn from. It's really important to fail many, many times. And some people hate doing that uh, because you will fail and everybody does every day, but understanding what that failure means and having to learn from it will then enable you to grow. The, the exhausting part, I think, is always, always trying to make people better and always wanting to connect and grow one's world. There are moments that when you give a lot of yourself, it is, that's where the exhaustion comes is, you know, sometimes you might not get a lot in return. When that does happen, I, I turn to other peers, other people that do what I do to try to get a little bit of counsel or get a little coaching or get certain things that kind of, so I could take a little bit back, you know, you give, 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 you need to kind of receive. And it is important to make sure that I get that balance. So if anything, the exhaustion might come just from an inequity between the giving and the receiving and making sure I'm helping to help others grow and connect, which is helping me, by the way, but also turning to myself to focus on things for myself so I have the energy to be able to turn around and be resilient and be a resilient ninja when I can. Sounds like you, like, and we all talk about and know that sort of goodwill bank account, right? And the give, 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 give. And, and I know there's a lot of thinking around, you know, giver's gain and all of that, of course, right? We want to give, but you touched on an interesting point. It's about when do you reach out and receive? And it's interesting because I have found that as someone who authentically always wants to invest to give so much to so many people, that the receiving is actually harder. I agree with that. That was, that was me almost doing another a double negative there. I always did no, I agree. <laughs> yes. There I agree. are no grammar police on this. Yes. You know, if anybody's listening, I'm sorry. We're sorry. Double negatives all well, around. Well, everybody's listening. And of course, you know, I do recognize the, you know, this is why everyone has to seek this. And I do this on my show, Allison, when I ask one of the standard questions is when, when you have trouble thriving, who or what do you turn to to get back on the thriving track? And a lot of that, I've, I've learned so many amazing things from amazing guests uh, and, and amazing leaders and famous people and authors and, and thought leaders. Everybody has their own personal thing that they do that recharges their battery. Uh, it could be going for a run or working out or meditating or, or talking to a really good friend or another coach. And, you know, everyone's got their own little personal thing that makes, by the way, themselves getting this 
to bring this full circle to make them authentically you to make you know what is your authentic core that gets you back to who who you are at your core and what you need to be and a lot of times you know I, I always uh, joke you always see these like in in movies or in TV shows you know some some person's gone away become a real basic big success somewhere and they've been traveling all around and every now and then they need that little dose of home you know they go back to their small hometown that they came from or you know get a little reality back in them and uh, you know there're too many shows to or movies that that literally do this every single time because we all need that that's our little moment of saying hey we might have become big in this world and we might have grown our brand to a certain point but we always need to go back to that base to kind of reestablish that open, honest way that we need to. So where's your base? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of my, you know, I think it, it starts core with um, my wife, my kids, my dog, my house, my immediate family thereafter from my parents and my, my siblings and, and really good friends. I've found the extension of that network has also been a lot of the people that do what we do, you know, helping. There was a great expression that Seth Godin said. I went to one of these conferences and I'm actually fortunate enough to consider him a peer and a colleague and someone I could reach out to. And I think you'll appreciate the, these ideas of the, these podcast shows and authors and being able to speak and really help people get themselves to that next level. He has this expression that makes me smile. People like us do things like this. <laughs> and only people <laughs> like us that do things like this know exactly what that means. I always remember that statement because, you know, on days that you're down or days that you're out there, I think about that expression and say the things that I'm doing is helping people in such ways and they're growing and they're getting better at what they do. They're performing better. Their business is connecting better. And even just like to look in the eyes of people when I'll, when I'll speak and see how energized they are to, to get to that next level. Allison, there is no better joy to walk away and say, hey, that's why we're here because people like us do things like this. Wow, that's powerful. That's a post-it note, people. Put that in your computer, right? For those tough times. So interesting because not everybody does get what we do. Like I remember once and you know, we both earn our, our living very similarly, right? We both go on stages and speak at conferences. We both have books. We both have, well, podcasts, all of this. And I remember being with some of my dear friends and, and they all have jobs working for the bank or working for the city and, and really admirable jobs. But they just looked at me, they're like, you know, I like, we don't get it. Like what, can you just explain to us? I know you've been doing this for, you know, 12 years, but what do you do? <laughs> and how do you actually make money? They're like, they don't understand how I live. Right. <laughs> they're like, so like sometimes it's the people closest to us who aren't doing what we're doing, who can be the biggest naysayers. Mm -hmm. So your family, you've got your, you know, your wife, your kids, they, they probably understand what you do. But what about that extended family? Like, is there a barrier there in them supporting you? And by the way, everyone will always question, actually, um, my wife's my biggest supporter, one, because she's also like the COO of my company and helps to manage all the stuff that I am not good at, you know, like making sure clients pay or, <laughs> right, <laughs> or, and, and also keeping me in check a little bit to make sure, like, says, so is that, there's so many things that you can do. And here's a perfect example. Um, one of my guests uh, that was on our show recently, we did something unique. Um, we had a female comic, Lisa Lampanelli, come on the podcast show and we video recorded me and her interviewed on a stage at Caroline's Comedy Club in New York City, which was really cool, by the way. And we, and we put it up on the YouTube channel and you know, wanted to do a video thing. And then lots of people were saying, wow, that's great. That's awesome. Um, maybe you should do that for all of your interviews. And you know, 
basically uh, my wife came to me and was like, you know, like, that's not going to do what this is supposed to do. <laughs> like, you know, getting the message and connecting, you don't need to literally turn into a production company to do this. Um, there's, there's many different ways that keeps me on track so that I stay focused on what I need to do. I'll get the naysayers. It's not a naysayer thing. I think, I think, you know, you went after I worked on Wall Street for a really long time. I was there for, for 12 years doing a lot of work and, and working really, really hard, but not at the end of the day. I was loving it at certain points in there, but things were changing and I wanted to change and do something much bigger that was much bigger than what I was doing. That, that wasn't just limited to one fiefdom of the economy. It was actually spread across many different businesses and many different people. And that ability to stretch there has always been interesting to me because I was very excited to do it. I love the challenge of going to do it. And more notably, I run into a lot of those people that I used to work with and still have connections with them. And I'll see them and they'll always give me like, how much happier are you right now? You look like you're smiling. You look like you look like a different person, which I, I feel like a different person because of it. And living my purpose, to your point, the thing that could be exhausting is actually energizing to me. And those are the things that keep me bouncing back and keep me getting moving forward. And I also believe those are the things that make the people who question or naysay what I do to start to understand the value of how important it is. And I think that is an important message for, for anyone that is in the, the individual service uh, business, whether these are, these are from coaches to trainers, like personal trainers, help people with their, their physicality, um, obviously uh, life coaches, uh, mine's more of in a business oriented sense. And there's, but each one of these things is really important and more and more and more, we're all tapping into the, the recognition of how important our mental health is. I, at the time of our recording, Allison, literally this particular week that we've recorded, we've lost two icons of industry to, to suicide and mental health issues in uh, Kate Spade and um, Andrew Bourdain. 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 I can't pronounce his last name, but I know he's a, you know, yeah. a cooking channel and all that stuff. I'm um, an innovative man and all that stuff. So I look at this and say it is even more important in today's crazy world with all the distractions we have from our little smartphones to how busy our lives are to making sure that we are keeping up with a clock that just seems to be moving faster and faster and faster, that we take care of ourselves and we seek out those that help us get better at what we do. You know, if you think about it, people would probably looking at you back when you were on Wall Street and thinking, wow, he made it. Like there are so many people out there who wish they could get that big job in Wall Street. And I can't imagine. So you've got this inkling that you need to be doing something more purposeful with your life. You've got a vision. And what is the conversation? Hi, honey. I know I'm making lots of money. <laughs> I know I've worked so hard. How be I go give that all up? And and give this speaking thing and coaching thing a go. Like, what is that conversation like? It can't be just <laughs> as, you know, hi, honey, I'm home. Well, it, well, it certainly wasn't like one day I woke up and the light went off. I mean, it wasn't like, boom, there, there, it definitely was a progressive build. The 2008 change in the economy, which interestingly, by the way, was in the world that I dealt with where things were falling apart, my world became the most important and busiest. We were the group of people that actually was saving the economy. Uh, we were the safe haven for where a lot of stuff go, which made me incredibly busy in what we used to say, <laughs> we had the most negatively convex career when it's really, really good in the world that I worked in. That meant that everything went to shit. So it was like, you know, is that the type of career you wanted to deal with? And I think it was a, a, a long-term beat down, you know, from, from me not, tr for me trying to figure out what was next. 
Um, and just from from those that have who know me well, the, the the story was that Alice and I I sought out a business coach because I knew I needed a change, but I didn't know what. And two things happened with that. One, it confirmed that I needed to get out of what I was doing, and it also lit a fire that I was really impressed with this woman who was coaching me on what she was doing. And that is, I, st- I became a coach while I was still working on Wall Street, which added more time and stress to what I was doing. And um, my wife, my kids, I wasn't seeing my kids. That's always never a good thing, watching them, missing them grow up. And maybe nor no- more notably was that I was not happy. And that was something I had never had in my life, not being happy. I've always been a very upbeat, happy person. So there was lots of things that were wrong with what I was doing that needed to change. And I guess the good part about it was, is that I took action to make sure that I did change because I wasn't being authentically Lou Dunn. And that was what I recognized was more important than anything. And I knew I had an important message to give. I knew I had a unique way of connecting with people that I thought was a good story. I also knew that I can help other businesses, not just the ones that I was in in Wall Street, but other industries and other leaders really make the most of what they can do with the way that I help people think about sales, think about marketing, think about leadership and help them grow and can, through connection. And that needed to happen. Now, it, it was not an overnight, hey, I'm home. This is what I'm going to do. However, you know, it's, what's funny is, is that I could not imagine being where I am right now without having done it. I would have been very unhappy where I was. And I look at how much has happened in only a, a few years, four or five years of doing what I've been doing. And it makes me smile. That's for sure. And, and there's so much more to come. And there's like, you're starting to see the results from either the people that have worked with me or the companies that I'm helping. And that in itself is like, yeah, I'm onto something and we're going to keep making this bigger and better. So when your clients come to you, let's let's say still at the prospect stage, what type of obstacles are they facing? Is it that sales piece that they're not getting the revenue that is driving them to seek you and then choose you? What, What is that, that little piece that's perfect for you, your sweet spot? So, so the ironic part is I am all about helping people better connect. And that means that they can actually help grow in three separate areas is really where I've identified it. Correct. One of the ones you mentioned was sales. Uh, yeah. Call it sales and growth because that's what I came from in helping to lead many sales teams in many different industries, specifically most, most recently in Wall Street, but before that in tech. And I did a lot of consulting work. So being able to get people to know how to launch their sales teams forward, that, that was the easy part um, because that was what I was most familiar with. And that is one bucket. The other bucket is actually how you market and message your business and your brand to your customers because that also isn't technically connecting with your end target. And the other part, which, is, which kind of evolved and I realized was all the commonality that brought all three of these things together. And that was the ability to lead and prosper. Many times um, leaders of their companies would say, you know, I'm not really connecting with those inside my company. My message in helping to drive this place forward is not in line with how I really am working and communicating each and every day internally. So that leadership, that sales, that marketing, all of those, the one common thing underneath it was this common skill that can be taught and can be coached of the ability to connect. That's the no pun intended, the common connection across all of that. So where organizations and individuals have trouble hitting those three buckets, that is where I'm able to to take them to the next level. Okay. And 
in terms of, and we, we, I know we've got to wrap up. I can't believe how quickly time goes, but I do want to ask you, like you, you're, you're juggling it all. You have, you know, obviously your wife is there, which is great. So obviously you've de- delegated or, or um, shared the responsibilities. So everything is getting done and recognized your own strengths. What would you say are your, is your biggest obstacle that you continually need to work and build your own resiliency ninja muscle? What, what is it that you face? What's your demon? Or, <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be that deep, but what is, what is your mindset challenge or, or something that you know is your trigger that you need to be more resilient with? Hmm, great question. I think the thing that I'm always working on is like what I tell people each day, thriving is moving onward and upward. And no different than what you said, even when I was successful on Wall Street, I still needed to continue to move upward and onward and onto something that was different. And that's always true today. I'm, I'm looking to do much more speaking than I had um, before and maybe grow even the types of clients or the work that I do, because it is important that I work with organizations and get them where they are. And then they kind of need to do some stuff on their own. And if they need me back, that's great. So there's a lot of movement in different clients that I work with at certain points in time, because that onward growth and who I'm working with and getting my message out to as many people as possible is always the thing that I'm looking at is that, you know, what is the, the bugaboo that I'm always trying to do? And, um, and like any, anybody else, I'm always trying to better myself as well. Which is why I'm, and you will love this, Allison. You know, you get to sit um, on that end of the microphone uh, in this program, and your listeners will too. You'll be able to learn. I probably learned more from the 250 some odd people I've interviewed on Thrive Loud about the incredible accomplishments that people who are thriving each and every day can actually do. And I take a lot of that. I say, wow, I picked up that from this guest and from that guest and from that leader and from that person. And so, are they thriving each and every day? Like, is that a reasonable expectation? Because I feel like some days I thrive and like, woohoo, and the world is your oyster. And then there are other days where it's like, oh shit, what have I got myself into? <laughs> right? Like, can we realistically thrive every day? I believe, yes, you can. And it might not be, you know, every 24 hours, every second of the day, there'll be times that it goes up and down. But I do believe that if we are living our passion, if we are establishing a fearless mindset, if we are as empathetic with the people that we're around and understand the world around us and to bring this all full circle, if we are as authentic as we can be, then we are, have the ability to connect with others. And if you have that strong ability to connect, you will thrive. Love it. That was a great ending. <laughs> Thank you. Did you have another line in the segue? Nope. It was, that was very it. motivational. That was it. <laughs> I like cut it. me there. Who's ever editing? I like it. I thought it was awesome. Well, listen, Lou, thank you so much uh, to our listeners. Thank you for being here at the Resiliency Ninja podcast. Again, I'm Allison Graham. Would love to have your five-star review. Would love to have you subscribe. And uh, you can find Lou at Thrive Loud. But what I realized as I was looking at it, Lou, it's actually Thrive Lou nah, D you, for Lou you, Diamond, you, isn't you it? You decoded that, didn't you, Allison? Very well I, hey, that's, that's how that's... Smart cookie over just, just, here. Just to yeah. let your listeners know that, that, that it's Thrive Loud is the program, but um, it was written, that was my social media handle beforehand. And we didn't even know that we had that name there. So it was my son who pointed it out when we were coming up with the name for the podcast uh, way back when. And it's become a way of, of life, Thrive Loud. So we like to let everyone know. Love it. So uh, hop on over to r-ninja.com backslash podcast. I will have all of the links to connect with Lou Diamond over there. And definitely, I would love to hear from you. Say hi to me as well. And thanks so much for being here, Lou. Great chat. Totally my pleasure. Thank you, Allison, for having me. 
Thank you for tuning in to Resiliency Ninja with Allison Graham. We are thrilled to have you as part of our community. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always connect with Allison at r-ninja.com and find important links to show notes. Thanks for listening. Until next time, embrace whatever obstacles come your way. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.